Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Time for another practice watch along on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL. This time it's Tennessee week. The third Saturday in October is upon us. Let's get into some Alabama practice footage provided to us by the University of Alabama. So about three and a half minutes we'll work through from Monday and Tuesday's practices. At the capstone, we'll get it going with Jermaine Burton averaging 23 and a half yards per catch so far in his second season with the Crimson Tide. Now, in the game in Knoxville a year ago, before all of the post-game drama that unfolded, Jermaine caught two balls for 49 yards. So yards per catch are something he's familiar with in this series, probably even going back to his time at the University of Georgia. But Jermaine has been very, very efficient when he has caught the football in terms of production. There you see Malik Benson in Monday's practice, also Cole Adams, the true freshman, working through more of a developmental season. I mean, when you think about the slot-type options that Alabama has to work with right now, you've seen them on display in each of the last two games with Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice, of course, with the huge play against Arkansas last week. There's Bond. There's the aforementioned Prentice working with Holman Wiggins earlier in the week. There's Emmanuel Henderson, a guy that we continue to see a good bit on special teams since returning from his injury. Again, another area where it's a little bit difficult right now to find reps is in that receiver rotation because you start with Burton and then you also have guys like Ja'Cory Brooks. 
Malik Benson has made a move of late, at least in terms of the pecking order there. Shaz Preston, another young receiver, kind of feeling that right now. And as we move into the tight ends, Amari Nyblack. And, you know, his presence on Saturday could be heightened based on the availability of C.J. Dupree, who we'll check out in just a little bit here in Tuesday's footage, trying to get some work in, coming off that lower extremity injury that Dupree sustained last Saturday against Arkansas. But there you see Nye Black working through the blocking drills along with Robbie Oots. That could be a popular pairing this week. Again, depending on Dupree and what he's able to bring to the table, this is another guy that we're looking at right here that we saw later in the second half of the Arkansas game after Dupree went out. Danny Lewis, he was a prominent piece to the tight end puzzle earlier in the season. Over the last three or four games, probably not as much, but that could change. Once again, you're going against a Tennessee defense this week that really can get after the quarterback. And I don't know if that means that Tommy Reese is going to look to attach one of those guys or formation in a way that it could help Caden Proctor and or Elijah Pritchett. But you know, we'll see with Dupree. And if he's limited or can't go all together, then I think you're looking at a trio of Nye Black and Oots and probably Danny Lewis would be the third guy in that scenario. Something else that's going to be important this week, as it always is, is pass protection. And here we see Rob Gillespie working with his guys on Monday, Roydell Williams working on those hands and that punch and that power jam. Miller, you see there, really nice showing for these guys against Arkansas last Saturday. Now, will there be a continuation of going three or four deep in this game against Tennessee? I think we saw against Arkansas that it's it's reasonable. I mean, all four of these guys can play. Now, there's some areas where you probably don't want one or two of these guys maybe subjected to too much. Pass protection comes to mind. But when you talk about how they complement one another and what I think Alabama is going to need from its run game this week, Similar to what we saw against Arkansas, you're going to need probably some zone runs and you're probably going to need maybe some gap scheme runs where you get those offensive linemen and pull them out. Jaden Roberts, the interior guys, even the tackles on occasion, working in conjunction with those tight ends and some of that counteraction. You go back to Tennessee's loss at Florida earlier in the season, that was one of the things that stood out in watching that game back was Florida's mix. Got things going earlier with some perimeter stuff, gave Tennessee some things to consider other than just between the hashes, and that worked well for Etienne and the rest of those backs in the win over Tennessee. You worked through the pass protection drills, and again, you know this is a Tennessee defense that will also get after you with the extra guy or two. So Aaron Beasley... Tennessee inside linebacker, probably one of the best pass rushing inside linebackers that I've seen in the Southeastern Conference in the last couple of years. He's a guy you're going to have to deal with as well. We flip it over to the defense in Monday's practice, and there you see Kool-Aid McKinstry staying in phase, getting that head around Trey Amos. And, you know, this is another area that you're going to have some questions about. We'll hear from Nick Saban following Wednesday's practice. Perhaps there'll be some updates on Malachi Moore and some other guys like C.J. Dupree, Tresman Marshall. But what if Malachi Moore can't go this week? That's big because Tennessee is going to keep you in nickel pretty much throughout the game with its 11 personnel. And that star position, if Terry and Arnold is the guy there, 
he almost has to become more like a strong side linebacker because first and foremost, as much as you want to talk about the wide splits and the explosive play potential for Tennessee through the air, and it's certainly not as much this year through six games as it was a year ago, you have to be strong in the box against the run. Now, the star position with those wide receiver splits may find himself outside the numbers or at the numbers a good bit. So that's where having Malachi Moore benefits this defense tremendously as well, because with him, I think you can take your corners on the outside, Terion Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, more so than a year ago and say, look, you got to cover these guys. We got to be able to man you up in a lot of occasions. And then you can think about Caleb Downs, Jalen Key, extra defenders maybe to the run there between the numbers. But there is Trey Amos working in Monday's practice, getting that head around. And then we get into the defensive line and you talk about importance dudes. I know we could come up with probably five or six most important candidates on the defensive side of the ball this week. I think Justin Aboigby would probably be one of those. I think he's going to be needed essentially on an every down basis, whether it's more at the true five technique in a bigger nickel look with Dallas Turner on the other edge, or if you decide, if Alabama decides to go Braswell and Turner, you can play a boy be inside where he can give you some pass rush, and he can also do some things, and he does some things well as a veteran with that savvy, even when it's not necessarily his number being called as a pass rusher, he can create opportunities for linebackers like Tresman Marshall against Arkansas last week and working those games with these edge defenders like Turner and Braswell. Very, very effective in helping to free up guys when you go with the stunts and the twists and the things like that. So, yeah, I've got a Boyd B. High on the list. Uh, you see these defensive linemen on Monday. We'll get into some other guys. Those are two guys right there are going to be very important. That guy will be. Damon Payne, very much a rotational piece for the Alabama defensive line. And there's some decisions that are going to have to be made because, you know, Tennessee wants to get this game. Tennessee wants to run 70 plus plays. Tennessee comes into this game averaging around 70 plays per game. Alabama, on the other hand, more around 60. So there's a disparity there. Right now, I would think Alabama would like this thing to stay in the low to mid 60s, preferably. Tennessee, with that pace and that tempo, would love to get this thing into the mid-70s, maybe around 80, and that's when that run game can really become effective. Once Tennessee surpasses that 40-run threshold, 45 runs, gets closer to 50, which means if it throws the ball 25, 30 times, there you are at 75, 80 plays. But I think Damon Payne has reached a point where you feel like you can put him in there from the outset of possessions and without knowing if you're going to be able to sub because you're going against this tempo and this pace of Tennessee, you feel like he can hang in and give you a full possession of effectiveness, certainly against the run more so than as an interior pass rusher. And so now we look at the offensive line in Monday's practice. There's JC Latham. There is Tyler Booker working on that right side. Yeah, that'll work as a pass set. Those hands, getting them where they need to be. There's Caden Proctor. That left tackle position going to be, once again, very much under the microscope. And, you know, you go into this game and you think about Tennessee on the edge and James Pierce jumps off the page at you. He's got six sacks. I mean, he's he's been very, very dynamic. 
but there's a guy on the other side too. So you're not just getting one edge challenge this week. Now, regardless of who Tennessee throws at J.C. Latham, you feel good about J.C.'s ability to hang in there. But when you look at Pierce and Barron together, that's 11 sacks. That's two of the top six sack producers in the Southeastern Conference right now. So you're going to need to be good on both edges as we watch the freshman Miles McVay work on Mondays. During Monday's practice, there's Seth McLaughlin. And, you know, it's not just as simple as, hey, we'll uh, take care of the edges and we won't have to worry about the interior because there are options for Tennessee like Amari Thomas that you're going to have to deal with. And that's in addition to the pressures that you're likely to see from Tennessee's inside linebackers during Saturday's game. There's Elijah Pritchett going in a rep during Monday's workout. And as you can see there, that left hand isn't exactly where Eric Wolford would like it. You're going to see Elijah get another run at it. That's uh, better. He's got those hands inside, able to maintain leverage and doing a nice job of bending because it's difficult for these guys, man. These big, big dudes really to have a chance to survive in one-on-ones against these higher level edge pass rushers, you got to be able to bend at the knees. And we're talking about guys that are 310, 320. In the case of Caden Proctor, guys, 350 plus. That's a big ask for a big, not only big dude, but a big young dude. We shift to Tuesday's full pad workout at UA and we get going with those inside linebackers. You talk about a big week for a position. We talk about most important players for Alabama in this game against Tennessee. That dude right there certainly qualifies because Deontay Lawson isn't likely to come off the field barring injury on Saturday afternoon. Whether it's dealing with that thinned out box in the run game with those backs like Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson. You also have to account for the quarterback, Joe Milton, in the run game. You know, it's not just a Tennessee run game that comes in averaging 230 a game. And I know if you want to just talk conference play, the number goes down to 190. And you go back to that Florida game, the Gators did a nice job against Tennessee on the ground, made it more about Joe Milton through the air than what Tennessee was able to accomplish with that stable of running backs. But Jalen Wright is the real deal. And he is on a heater, two straight 100 yard games in SEC play. You look at Tennessee statistically in games in which it rushes for 150 or more, kind of like Alabama teams were earlier on in the Nick Saban era. Remember that stat? You could almost set your watch by Alabama wins that were tied into 150-plus rushing yards. That's Tennessee the last couple of years. I think the South Carolina game last year for Tennessee was the only one in which it rushed for 150-plus and lost. Tennessee outrushed. Alabama in Knoxville. That was a kind of forgotten stat, but it was real uh, and it came in a win. And you look at this series again over the last seven meetings, the team that has won the edge in rushing yards has won the football game. That was Tennessee last year. So there you see uh, Deontay getting some work. We also see Jihad Campbell. We don't see Tresman Marshall in this footage as we move through it. Now, I know Trez was made available to the media this week, which is typically a pretty good sign that if a guy's banged up, it's probably not to the extent that he'll be held out for that week's game. That is a procedure that we've seen from Alabama in the past. But, you know, this is early in practice. This is just individual drills. 
I wouldn't make too much of that. I would say, listen to Nick Saban following Wednesday's practice. If you don't hear something then, by Thursday into his coaches show and with us at BamaOnline.com, we'll keep you updated on everything involving the injury front for Alabama going into this game. But you do see Sean Murphy there, young inside linebacker, also working through those drills. But can't say it enough, man. These inside linebackers are in a tough spot against this Tennessee offense. They're very capable, though. They're both capable, if it is Deontay and maybe more Jihad Campbell. But what I like about Tresman Marshall is he's going to give you some more of that thump between the tackles. I think Jihad and Deontay, I think Deontay's doing more of that this year. You know, Deontay seems to be playing freer and more confident than a year ago. I think that has gone a long way in that as much as anything physical. But Tennessee wants to get you stretched early. You're going to see quick game, I think, from Tennessee very early. Quick throws to the perimeter. You know, get guys thinking that they got to run east and west and play sideline to sideline throughout the game. And then what Tennessee will want to do, both in the run game and throwing the football, is get vertical quickly. Get those backs running between the tackles. Get those receivers working those vertical routes down the field. So there's Kendrick Blackshire, a guy that, you know, we saw a good bit of at the inside linebacker position earlier in the season. It seems like with Jihad Campbell getting healthier and healthier, that rotation has narrowed more to the three guys. Deontay Lawson, now that he's back after missing a game, you got Jihad back fully, it appears. Again, Tresman Marshall, his situation could change things this week, and that could benefit Kendrick Blackshire because you look at this Tennessee offense, as we talked about earlier, and you think about, well, you know, they spread you out. You got to worry about playing sideline to sideline. And all of that is true, but you better not forget about that run game between the tackles. Those are backs that run very hard, very decisively. You have to be physical, even if you're in a six-man box or a five-man box because you're spread out across the field. Your backers and your interior defensive linemen better be War daddies, if you're going to hang in against this Tennessee run game for four quarters. And here we see Jeremiah Alexander. One thing that comes to mind, at least watching him in that drill work, is natural. He looks very natural working as an inside linebacker after making that move from the edge a little while ago. Speaking of the edge, we go back out there during Tuesday's practice at Alabama, and there are your top two guys there you see Dallas Turner and also Chris Braswell. Little bit of a club, maybe a soft cast there for Dallas Turner during Tuesday's practice. I will tell you this, that's not all that uncommon when you get to this point of the season. And a lot of times at Alabama, it is more of a precautionary step than anything else. Now, it, it could be something more significant than that. I'm just trying to temper the doomsday talk by just letting you know that if you go out to an Alabama practice this time of year, and especially earlier in the week, you're going to see knee braces. You're going to see hamstring bands. You're going to see soft cash. You saw Kendrick Blackshire practicing with one just a minute ago. So that, that's the only thing I'm going to add to that without knowing more specifically about the situation. But here, once again, the outside linebackers, Braswell and Turner, looking good going through those drills. And here's a guy who looks good to me, and I'm a big Q Robinson fan. I've noted that a few times here 
on the YouTube and podcast channels and also right there at BamaOnline.com. Q on the far side, but Keanu Coop in this drill looks really good physically. I know we haven't seen a ton of him at the outside linebacker position this season. Why would you with Turner playing at a high level along with Braswell and Q Robinson coming off a very, very impressive performance both on special teams and defense against Arkansas. But Coot looks like he's making some strides physically. And then you get into more of the younger guys, the newcomers. There's Keon Keeley. There's Quay Roussal with Coleman Hutzler barking instructions and orders to those guys. Guys that are being afforded the opportunity to develop at a reasonable rate. couple of guys in that mix right here. Yonzi Pierre there on the left. These are guys that came in in June. You heard Nick Saban. He was asked about them earlier in the week. Uh, guys that it's almost become a situation where if you come in in June, it's almost like what gray shirting used to be. You know, you come in in June now, it feels like you're more than just a couple of three months behind. And probably as much as anything, the physical strides that you have to make to compete at this level you're not getting that for those two or three or four months that you would otherwise as an early enrollee. All that being said, I don't think it really would have mattered because Quay Roussal was on campus in January. But with the depth situation being what it is with the health status of Alabama's top three guys, you've got a guy that I think is a very capable option in Keanu Coote. He can't get on the field as sort of a veteran now in the program, let alone a true freshman. Back to those defensive linemen and back to some of our most important candidates for Saturday's game against Tennessee. There you see one of them. We just saw Tim Keenan. I think he's definitely on that list. Damon Payne also working through. You got the young guys on the other side, Curtis Perry, uh, working that sled. There's Anquin Barnes. You want to talk about a guy who looks the part right now and a guy who has obviously made some pretty good use of his time in the strength and conditioning program now that he's had a couple of runs through there. This is pretty encouraging stuff, I think, for Anquin Barnes. Watch him stack that sled. You can almost hear it grunt when he and Tim Keenan hit it. Gets those eyes around, looks for the ball carrier. Yeah. Another promising young lineman from the Montgomery area right there, James Smith, who we've actually seen a little bit early in game. Saw him last week against Arkansas. So the overall picture, it's not just something about what we've seen in the last two or three weeks that should have you encouraged as an Alabama fan. I think when you talk about developmental guys that continue to come along and can certainly impact things, maybe not so much in 2023, but when you look ahead to 2024 and beyond, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Watch Tim Keenan here, by the way. Stacks it and then holds it off with one hand. Yeah. And then he's got a staffer working against his left side to simulate kind of double team that he'll be confronted with. And man, that right there will go a long way on Saturday against Tennessee. If you can have Tim Keenan doing that to some of those interior offensive linemen for the Tennessee Vols, you could be in pretty good shape against that run game. Jaheim Otis, Tim Keenan, Damon Payne. These are all guys that are going to, again, may not show up statistically because this isn't a week that you're going to be counted on to be a disruptor. It's going to be a maintain and hold on and win in your box, first and foremost, and free up 
Lawson and free up Marshall and Campbell or whoever else plays the inside linebacker positions to get the job done. So on Tuesday, we see Jalen Milrow here throwing the football. A little digger out right there to Isaiah Bond. Here's Ty Simpson getting a rep. This is an interesting rep because this is Tuesday, and that is C.J. Dupree on the receiving end of it. And we talk about some of these apparatuses that we see Alabama players in out there on the practice field. That looks like the hamstring strap, hamstring support on the right leg of C.J. Dupree. Obviously, something involving that right leg, but just going on history and understanding how Alabama goes about dealing with different ailments and injuries, that's what that look brings to mind first and foremost. And here's Amari Nyblack. The tight ends in this game, I think, especially in the red zone, are going to be huge. Tennessee's got a couple of tight ends that don't have a ton of catches. I think it's like 17 catches for Tennessee's top two tight ends through six games, but four of them have gone for touchdowns. I think Amari Nyblack brings some of that certainly to the table this week with his ability, not only in the red zone, but in the explosive pass game. So that's what makes being able to protect with five or six so important because if you get into this situation where you're constantly having to max protect with seven, maybe eight guys, vertical type routes, those down the field routes that you like Amari Nyblack, you're not going to be able to throw them as much. Now, you can also use those tight ends in more of a controlled passing attack like we saw early in the second half at Texas A&M. So perhaps that's part of the plan to deal with that Tennessee, that aggressive Tennessee defense with Jalen Milrow this week. That's going to do it for the latest Alabama practice watch along right here on the YouTube and podcast channels for BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board there at BOL. You're going to want to do that. Right now, we have a 50% off annual subscription special for new subscribers of BamaOnline.com. So if you haven't subscribed to BOL at this point, somehow you haven't, you need to do it right now. Travis Ryder, thanking you once again for joining us. Until next time, so long, everybody. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-8.
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.